This episode is brought to you by Mubi, a curated streaming service showing exceptional films from around the globe. Every day, Mubi premieres a new film. From award-winning masterpieces to festival-fresh gems, movies you've been dying to see or ones you've never heard of before, there's always something new to discover. For a limited time only during the Cannes Film Festival, you can try Mubi for three months for just $1. Till the end of the festival on May 25th, go to mubi.com slash filmcomment to claim the offer. That's M-U-B-I dot com slash filmcomment for 90 days of hand-picked cinema for just $1. The Film Comment Podcast is sponsored by Kino Lorber, presenting Walking on Water, a documentary about the artist Cristo and his creation of a floating installation in Italy, his follow-up to the gates in Central Park. Walking on Water comes to theaters starting May 17th. Patricio Guzman is back at Cannes this year to premiere his latest film, The Cordillera of Dreams. Ovid.tv has the most complete online collection of his previous films available, from The Battle of Chile to Nostalgia for the Light. Sign up at Ovid.tv to start watching today. Welcome to the Film Comment Podcast. This is the third edition, third episode of our Can edition. Uh, and we'll be talking about another full day of movie going. The festival is really underway now. And my name's Nick Rapold. I'm the editor in chief of Film Comment. And I'm very pleased to be joined by Eric Hines, curator of film at Museum of the Moving Image and a Film Comment columnist. And, and Bruno Dequin, artistic director of RIDM and editor of uh, 24 Images. Uh, Bruno, it's your first time on the podcast. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for the invitation. Uh, and uh, you're, so you're doing kind of double duty here as, as, as a programmer and as a journalist. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so you're, you're, you'll be able to give both diplomatic and less diplomatic answers to <laughs> Maybe, yes. <laughs> um, well, I think one of the most anticipated films of these first few days was probably uh, Bacurau, the new film from Kleber Mendonca Filio. And it, it was... A bit of a mystery to me. I didn't like watch any of the, there was a clip available. There were some images, but I really wanted to go in cold to it. And what did we think of that? Not the fact that I went in cold, but what did we think of the film? It's a very weird film, actually. I mean, especially for people who've followed his work. It's very different mm-hmm. from uh, Aquarius or the one before. Mm-hmm. Um, the closest like description I could give would be this kind of weird combination, this kind of weird remake of the most dangerous game mm-hmm. if it were to be co-directed by Regadas and Roberto Rodriguez <laughs> at the same time um, it feels a bit like that yeah that sounds about right um or we should well maybe we should tell a bit about just well there's, there's the this, this town Bacarao in Brazil in northern mm-hmm. Brazil um because it's they talk at some point being cut off from southern Brazil right um that uh it's a small close-knit town that uh this is set somewhere in the near future we're told and we're very very early we learn that there's water shortage and that there's sort of a state of emergency going on but it is a town that is isolated basically from the rest of the country and we soon learn that that's deliberate um and that there's some sort of covert operation going on mm-hmm. don't want to spoil it beyond that although yeah. anything i say will be a little more legible than what you're watching in the film which right. is i think kind of gleefully muddy when it comes to plot details yeah no he definitely has he definitely has a lot of fun with the fact that you're just you're gradually sort of figuring out what's going on and and 
ultimately, I don't know that there is like a overarching explanation exactly for for how how everything works. But I, it's 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 kind of remarkable because it's it's a movie, you know, directed with kind of like the combination of as you were saying exactly yeah like the the stringency of of like an art film but also just like gut punches of 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 a of a i don't know a kind of a b-movie b-movie yeah b-movie a a two hour and 15 minute b-movie yeah yeah i guess it's almost hard to talk about with without describe but i mean you described it in terms of the most dangerous game yeah, which gives it away a bit. Because <laughs> uh, it's a very specific plot. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a film that, that feels like it has some urgency, especially now in Brazil. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. for sure, it's, it is about the treatment of uh, villages, and a huge part of the, the village is composed of uh, Aboriginal people. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it is obviously like a discourse on the current situation in brazil but then again it's uh through the b movie aesthetic sometimes and also something that's kind of puzzling in the film is the fact that it, it starts with the uh, the arrival of a young woman mm-hmm. back to town and we expect her to be the main character mm-hmm. and she never will be and it will be the case for like each of the characters that we'll meet throughout the film like we expect the film to uh to to move us in a very traditional way and it it doesn't have any central character that's that's mm-hmm. one thing that uh yeah that it, that is kind of puzzling uh and it shifts modes all the time yeah. so it's uh, yeah. sometimes uh, very crude sometimes very hyper violent especially mm-hmm. uh, at the end mm-hmm. uh sometimes very serious so it feels like the most serious and absurd at the same time and political genre movie that this edition will yeah. probably present well, I was going to say, and there's also the element of, though it's set in the near future, and it's very mm. up-to-date in terms of the subtext, in terms of Brazilian politics, it also feels a bit timeless, mm-hmm. or not timeless, but at least late 20th century aspect of it, too, because yeah. there's a whole other thing that happens towards the second half of the film that I want to go into, but um, that, let's let's just say, alludes to American involvement um, in South America, or like, you know, foreign involvement in South America, which feels very much that it could be taken, that scenario could be taken from any decade of the last 50 years or so in South America. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I guess it also sort of falls in the lineage of, of you know, radical political cinema in, in, in Brazil without at all feeling as as like studious as that might sound or, mm-hmm. or, or didactic at all, really. Uh, partly because it's, I mean, it's kind of grisly fun is that a bad thing to say about it i mean it's 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 kind of entertaining at times although you you never feel entirely good about being entertained by what you're seeing there's broad humor to it absolutely but yeah you're not it's hard to feel satisfied with it yeah yeah because because it's 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 one of it's kind of a dystopian premise and one that where you're always a little anxious because you don't know how bad it's going to get and how far it's going to go and when a filmmaker is able to preserve that Mm -hmm. that sense of risk that's always pretty impressive i mean that's like the basis of like tarantino films and it's the sense that there's always some way he's going to raise the stakes at some point and 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 twist something just that extra so there i just compared baccarat to a a tarantino film i have not seen yet or any tarantino film but you could also compare it weirdly enough to uh yesterday's les miserables Mm. because in Mm. both cases um you have like the building up of a tension Mm -hmm. that will be resolved in violence and also like a yeah. whole group that will end up resisting in a way that you could never have 
predicted, mm-hmm. which is the case in Les Miserables. Les Miserables, you talked yeah. about it yesterday, and it's a, yeah. a group of kids who will end up having this kind of mastermind yeah. plan to, uh, to rebel. And here, the village who seems so hopeless in the, throughout the film um, ends up being this kind of badass village for... Yeah. For ages, right? It's uh, yeah. It's uh, this kind of stronghold of resistance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, it's also interesting you bring up Les Miserables just because of the sh- shift between like the collective and the individual. Because mm-hmm. um, this is also a film that's a, a, a pretty explicitly about class as well. And one thing I think we forgot to mention that'll seal that will seal its its genre bona fides is that Udo Kier. Yeah, <laughs> is it? <laughs> Which I guess in one person kind of bridges the worlds of like art, film, and and, and genre, and the possibility of of camp. He maybe was. He's not doing like full Udo here, but he still was. No. Yeah, uh, I'm. I it's it was a bold risk for, to put him in there somehow. I don't know, but I I, I guess I get it. In some ways, he gives you permission to the broad aspect. He gives you permission to laugh a little bit where you may have not felt permission. Even even in an audience of 1,500 people or so yesterday, as soon as he turns up, you just hear a little bit more of, you know, I'm I'm, I'm having a good time in the audience, at least Mm -hmm. briefly. Yeah. Although that ends up making him even more sinister, his his character. Um, And maybe something that we didn't mention, but it was, uh, the film was not directed only by uh, oh, of course yeah and, uh, it's a co-direction so it might be interesting uh maybe for you guys in uh, the film comment magazine at some point to do yeah. to uh, to do an interview or to know like how why they collaborated they co-directed co- that and film co-wrote because, it too I and believe. co-wrote it yeah. um because from what i know those uh, those two um who's what's the name of the the other director juliano uh, dorneles uh has been the uh, artistic director of all of Phil's films oh. so far, so they've all he's always been involved in his yeah. films, but it's okay. the first time he takes uh, center yeah. stage with him. Yeah. Um, so I don't know how that affected the tone, the mm-hmm. uh, the ambiance, the, yeah. the film itself. Yeah, no, that's really good. Thanks for pointing that out. Um, it's I yeah that that seems like a stand up thing to do. <laughs> but it also <laughs> it's, it's, it's it, we should find out. But it's also it's easy to conjecture that the artistic director takes on that writing and director director role that there's something about the visual scheme and something yeah. about the mm-hmm. ambition of the world that's being created here that might be so key to to a per, you know that mm-hmm. that figure that's not a supporting that's not a supporting uh role in a film of this nature so it sure. might make yeah. sense that that collaboration started earlier yeah for sure i mean yeah even you know just the way they're handling the colors and and the light in this it's just it's very it's kind of like very parched somehow, but but still gets some of the richness of of, of the landscape. But uh, I just very much felt the sun mm-hmm. <laughs> at, all, at all times somehow, which which also somehow connected it to something like you know Vidas sec, Secas or something, you know. And they use a lot of fades. Yes, that that mm. surprised me. I mean, yeah. I mm-hmm. I don't know exactly why. I can't interpret it. It's too early. <laughs> but uh, I remember watching the film and. and saying to myself wow i don't remember when i saw that many fades throughout the especially like the mm-hmm. first part of the film is filled with you ha- you don't have that many cuts mm-hmm. you have mm-hmm. uh, a lot of uh, a lot of fades and a lot of wipes also, a lot of wipes mm-hmm. uh, which true. is very rare nowadays totally yeah, yeah that's so, true and also there is a drone and we've seen oh, yeah. <laughs> two uh, that's right. two films with drones and les misérables also yeah uh, so I'm, I'm wondering how many drone filled films we're going to watch yeah in yeah. the upcoming days 
And the drone in this one is 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 it, well, I found it like genuinely scary when you first when it first appears. Just uh, the way it's first used from its point of view, it's it's a very well. I, I was going to say that I think actually not the first shot of the film, but the first shot that leads to entering us into the story is a drone. And I remember thinking, and there's a weird jump cut from drone to non-drone. I was like, why? And it winds up there being a reason right because it's not just a drone shot it, right right the drone figures into the narrative it does yes but perhaps we've already said too much <laughs> so another film that we all saw and that's quite anticipated because it's a younger filmmaker um <laughs> and who's making a feature debut in the competition uh, that's uh, atlantique um directed by maddie diop who has made short films that have been very well received. Mille Soleil is, is one. And then she also made a short film that was called Atlantique. This this showed like a combination like premiere with, with the director and press screening this afternoon or yesterday afternoon. And what did we think of this one? I haven't seen it yet. So oh, you haven't seen it. it. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot. Okay. Um, Eric. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll give my first reaction, but then yeah. you should probably do the the description on this one, but okay. um, or the summary. Sure. Of what you want to do. Eric is always making me do the description. Well, I did the last one. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so Atlantique is uh, it's about a uh, a young woman in shoot where where is it? Set. Senegal. Senegal. Okay, a young woman in Senegal, Dakar, who is about to get married, but also has a person she actually loves. And she's she's kind of getting an appropriate marriage to a, a well off uh, well off guy, and what happens is the 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 man that she actually loves is working on a construction site. That's how the movie opens, and the it's just this not uncommon thing where none of the workers have been paid for months. And what happens is most of the workers, many of the workers, leave to work elsewhere well they they go to uh go across the mediterranean they go across to, the mediterranean um spain yes to get work to get to get work and how much further do we go i with think that? that's i think that's probably yeah. good enough yeah um yeah and so the 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 would-be suitor the the less desirable suitor but the one mm -hmm. she actually loves is on that boat um yeah. during what what would be her marriage her wedding yeah um i think we can actually say that they kind of go missing i think it's they go missing yeah well they, yeah they're they go missing. Oh, they're at sea. Who they're knows at what sea. happens? Yeah. Um, I, 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 I loved this film. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. I did. Yeah. It was not what I expected it to be. It's one of those films where I was so anticipated and I, I, I wanted it to be so good. I think Bruno you and I were talking about how much was, was at stake with this film um, because we like her previous work and it's a significant film to be in competition here. First time filmmaker, um, as it happens, first time non-white female director and uh i don't think it's going to be satisfying to a lot of people but i found it deeply so because it it there's like even the plot is like you've, you've we know that plot that's like a it's as old as a plot right. can get and yet there is this sort of way that she approaches it that is simultaneously like hyper real and up to the moment uh and uh beyond the sort of fable aspect of it she kind of goes into to genre with it. Um, and so that combination is jarring, but I was really beguiled by it. Um, mm -hmm. And I love what she was doing with sound. Um, it's a really great soundscape in it in terms of music, contemporary and otherwise, and score, but also in terms of subjective sound. There is like this sort of way of shooting 
the landscape and shooting and, and the landscape is not quite right what i want to get at the horizon let's say the sky and the horizon as a sort of callback that is not just about beauty it's it's a one it's a way of kind of getting at the dreamy quality and the sort of infinity or sublimity of that that i think winds up sort of getting into the headspace of of the people we're watching yeah i was i was entranced by it yeah i uh, i i yeah i felt like a i felt I, that I liked the first half hour or so a, a great deal. And, but what, what, you know, it's funny. I don't know why I'm thinking this about this film, but I felt like I was too aware of the storytelling machinery. I just felt like right. it, the movie just got bogged down in, in, in just spending a lot of like visual and narrative energy on things that didn't really require that. Right. That kind of gave well, it becomes a, de- a detective narrative for a while there. Too. Yeah, I, and which began that that effort felt like dead weight to me for for a while, and that that kind of hampered the film a, a bit. But yeah, there was a there was that's that's so in a way they're like two genre yeah. uh, strong genre aspects. That being one, the other one. It's hard uh, to get, you know, we probably shouldn't give it away. No, no, yeah, I agree <laughs> with that. Especially yeah. since Bruno hasn't seen it, he's sitting right next to us. Does it have doc- documentary aspects like her previous works? Um, I would say in this, there are some long shots that what's clear our characters are moving through unrehearsed spaces, and I think those mm-hmm. matter. Yeah, but no, I would say not heavily so. I, I mean, I, I was intrigued. There's a the, like one visual centerpiece is this twisted glass tower, which is where the construction workers are working. That is it's in the opening shot is a pretty potent image I, I remember because there's this kind of construction just kind of junk on the left side and then on the right this tower which is like it's as if it's shimmering through a mirage basically a little i don't know how that was accomplished exactly or if it's just the nature of the glass um, and then there's another couple of long shots with it where it's it's just cutting this very ethereal figure <laughs> in in the landscape which is an interesting bit of like I guess found architecture in a way. I don't know. Good casting of of a, of a half completed building. Well done, half completed building. I'm sure we're going to see that half completed building in an Avengers movie next. But yeah, but there's to me there's just something about seeing a filmmaker whose work previously is not plot based necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, is very textural, leans into documentary, making a feature that is really not leaning into documentary and is has far more plot and character than previous films. That is. In, in a sense, bold, because it works against maybe what expectations would be. Yeah. You know, there's the, she's famously in 35 Shots of Rum, uh, or wants to bring up Claire Denis with her, and I don't think she's leaning into that all that yeah. hard, you know? I mean, there's elements there that you could say, oh, sure, her use of sound, her use of, you know, somehow maybe the editing, but no, she's doing her own thing. And yeah. so... I don't know. I'm just. I'm excited by that too. Like, yeah, it would, yeah. sure, it's satisfying if somebody leans into what you expect they might get into for a feature. But when they do something else, I don't know. It's, yeah, it, it, it felt like a free film for sure. One. Yeah. Just quickly, you mentioned the sound earlier. I just want to also add the music in it yeah. is 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 really uh, this interesting combination of uh, uh, kind of instrumental and then kind of synth instrumentals, which just become bigger than actual music at, at some point. They just there, there are these repeated shots of, of, of a sunset and the sun on the sea, and it's almost like this oral equivalent to that just that just washes uh, washes over. There's a lot of significant synth scores so far in, 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 the, <laughs> in the festival. Um, and then, of course, John Carpenter himself in also. <laughs> You're kind of an aficionado of synth scores, aren't you, Nick? I'm, I have a love-hate relationship with them, basically, <laughs> because I do love them, and I love giant cold slabs of steel synth 
<laughs> tangerine dream just like <laughs> being stacked in front of me um but also they've it, it's they've become like a like a virus like they're in so many movies they become like a shorthand in a lot of like independent for, for internet for me for let's not french cinema and they just they just crop up and it's and it's it's interesting because they were such a signifier of something for a while and then they became a signifier of something else and now I, i'm trying to find them again you know <laughs> so yeah they wound up being a callback for 70s films that people love yes and yeah. if the director loves it then they're going to find a way of using it whether yeah. or not it belongs yeah I mean, I think, yeah, the, the Safdie brothers kind of took it as far as you can take it. And yeah. I love where they took it, but. Yeah, no, and heaven knows what. Yeah, that's just. It's or the last two, yeah. And, and it's, yeah, it's very assaultive and heaven knows what. And then, yeah, good time and stuff, other thing. While the masters of international cinema grace the corset, Mubi brings the best of Cannes to you. This month, stream highlights from the festival's past with Mubi's annual Cannes Takeover series. This year's impressive lineup includes Palme d'Or winner, Four Months, Three Weeks, and Two Days, as well as Amores Perros from this year's jury president, Alejandro Gonzalez Iñárritu, plus career bests from Cannes heavyweights, Gus Van Sant, Hirokazu Koreeda, Takeshi Miike, the Dardenne brothers, and many more. Plus, if you sign up during the festival, you'll get three months for just one dollar. From now until May 25th, go to movie.com slash film comment to claim the offer. That's M-U-B-I dot com slash film comment for 90 days of great cinema for just $1. The Film Comment podcast is sponsored by Kino Lorber, presenting Walking on Water. This documentary portrait of Cristo boasts uncensored access to the artist as he works to realize a large-scale floating installation originally conceived with his late wife, Jean-Claude, with whom he created the gates in Central Park. Variety calls it a documentary that delights in capturing the art of creation. Walking on Water opens May 17th at Film Forum with Christo and director Andre Paunov in person for Q&As before expanding to select cities. If you're after the very best documentary films from around the world, films that you can't find on other streaming services, then the arrival of Ovid is sure to be good news. And this discount offer will be too. From now until May 31st, you will save 50% off the monthly price for three months. If you sign up at www.ovid.tv and use coupon code CAN, C-A-N-N-E-S at checkout. That means you'll be able to watch Ovid.tv for just three fifty per month for the first three months of your subscription. There is a film that, that Bruno saw that neither of us saw that we're, we're yeah. curious about uh, that was the opener of uh, Centre Regard and that is? It's called, uh, in English, it's A Brother's Love. Yes. I think, uh-huh. which is La Femme de Mon Frère in Quebecois. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a Quebec film. Uh, it's, a f- it's same as uh, Mathieu Diop. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a first-time uh, feature-length filmmaker uh, who used to also be an actress and is still an actress, Monia Chokri. Mm-hmm. Um, for the English-speaking audience, I think she was discovered in Xavier Dolan's Heartbeats, right? That's how you call oh, it, yeah. Les Amours Imaginaires. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, so you, you might remember her. Like she, right, So right. she's one of uh, Dolan's uh, best uh, friends. Uh, and... The easiest way to uh, describe this film is um, it's basically Xavier Dolan on speed. Uh, (laughs) So if you have issues Uh with the hyper-verbose and hyperactivity and and the whole like hyper-pop aesthetics of Mm -hmm. Dolan, 
you will have issues with that film, okay. like even more issues with that film. Um, the um, the uh, the story is, is simple enough. It's it's basically about a thirty-something uh, young woman who, at the beginning of the film, the prologue of the film is her finishing defending her PhD thesis mm. uh, in philosophy, and um, she doesn't do anything with it. She doesn't have a job. She's mm -hmm. depressed. She's overeducated. Uh, she's cynical. She talks a lot and all the time, and she's extremely dependent on her brother, mm -hmm. who is a psychiatrist, I guess. But mm -hmm. I mean, there is just no way you can believe this guy is a psychiatrist mm -hmm. in the film. Uh, <laughs> but I think that's what he is. Um, <laughs> and they share like this this bond that you can only find in you know universe like Mummy, um, and um, and she will end up thinking about what to do with her life once her beloved brother gets a girlfriend mm. who ends up being the main character's own how, how do you call that the uh, uh you know the the doctor for women of oh, gynecologist gynecologist okay <laughs> sorry it's it's because of the accent i was like okay I, no one will understand me so <laughs> gynecologist and, uh, <laughs> and so the the, the film is it, it's a tough film to uh, to criticize because it's a bit like Xavier Dolan's work. Either you're you're like kind of into it, right? In, in a sense, I mean, the thing is, if if it is like an um, a formal and aesthetic approach that completely rebutes you, mm -hmm. it's tough then to, uh, to kind of discuss it, right? Because it's it's like Xavier Dolan. Some some of Xavier Dolan's films move people a lot. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm I'm not part of those people. Um, <laughs> but you know, I know a lot of people who are, you know, deeply moved by yeah, my sure. mommy, and uh, and she does the same thing, which is like she she pushes it, you know, as far as as you can go in terms of editing. The the editing is hyper, uh, is extremely quick. Like mm. she, uh, Dolan does that also, right? To to kind of quicken the pace of right. those, you know, never ending dialogues, uh, dialogue scenes. But she does the same thing ten. 10 times, you know, um, quicker. She mm. quicks within shots, nonstop. Oh. Like people huh. are talking and she just cuts, she reframes, she cuts, she reframes not all the time. Huh. She's uses, she has the same kind of use of music also. And, mm -hmm. and but uh, hers is more like references to classical music and or French inspired pop Mm -hmm. music from this yeah. obviously from the 60s and <laughs> not necessarily contemporary so it's uh we we, we know why why this film is in uh un certain regard i mean that's how she was discovered as an actress in un certain regard mm -hmm. um it's a film that will surely divide critics mm -hmm. uh it's a film that might be interpreted differently depending on how much you understand french or not for uh. example this is something that mm -hmm has always been interesting to me is how English-speaking critics understand Xavier Dolan films. And, it's, and, and even French critics. By that, I mean that Dolan has a very specific way to write dialogue that seems to be realis realistic, mm -hmm. but it's not. Like, no one in Quebec speaks like people speak in Xavier Dolan's films. It's an imaginary language uh -huh. that is both, like, what it does usually is... Um, He's, he's kind of pushing to the extreme the use of lower class slang and the use of higher class or hipsters syntax. Mm -hmm. 
So it's mm -hmm. like it, it's the uh, the use of uh, an overeducated syntax given to lower class people, and so you know, mm. so that they have this kind of um, this um, easy way to uh, you know argue and talk and you know counterpoint and and so Xavier Dolan's films are not to be they shouldn't no matter what you think about them they shouldn't be interpreted as realistic portrayals of Quebec. Neither should this film, Monia Chokri. Nothing in this film is remotely realistic. So it, it makes for, a, for, for this kind of weird proposition. Mm -hmm. um, and there are parts in which you, you can feel the, um, the, the woman's gaze also, mm -hmm. I know, in the mm -hmm. humor. Like the, the, the film is very grotesque. It's, it's this kind of melancholic, grotesque film. And uh, so, so she definitely has a vision mm -hmm. um do i f you know empathize or like do i like that vision um personally no i couldn't be i couldn't feel you know more removed from a film that i felt mm -hmm. watching that film like none of it mattered to me like <laughs> none of it there's not like a second of that film that yeah. spoke to me that being said <laughs> you know i i, I can I can I can feel that there is mm -hmm. uh, a filmmaker that I might dislike personally, but there is a, a filmmaker behind there. that yeah. film. She mm -hmm. she does have a vision. She does have like a sense of humor that is very feminine. And uh, by that I mean like there's a whole a whole grotesque scene about abortion that I wouldn't I mean that wouldn't have been made that way using that kind of sound mm. by a male filmmaker. Um, you can feel that, and, and uh, I've never seen a male filmmaker filming an abortion like that, or like referring to an abortion in that specific way. And uh, it, so, it, so there is, you know, something to be uh, to be analyzed. I mean, something to be uh, mm. discussed about. Um, but yes, it will be. Yeah, divisive. Yeah. Uh, I guess, I guess, we can add that there is there is also an actual Xavier Dolan movie. In, 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 the, yes. in the competition. Yeah. <laughs> um, what is it? Matthias and Maxime. 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 Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I guess we'll talk about that uh, next week. Um, and I think that probably brings us to the end of this particular episode. We've, we've gone through. Can, can I ask Bruno one question oh, before please, we go? Yeah. Because we have him here. And no, I, I want to we'll get him a, again. I had a question. Yeah. Because um, you've been coming how long? How long have you been coming to the festival? Oh, only three years. Three years. Yeah. <laughs> But so I've, you've been coming th five, six, uh, six, six. This my is only sixth. my second. Yeah. But I'm curious with your two hats, what your if you have any feelings that you would express in terms of documentary programming here, in terms of how documentary functions here, like how yeah. the, like your sense of within all these sections, because mm -hmm. um, there's there's not there aren't many of them. No, and there are certainly more of them in Kazan in. And but not, that but not that many. Oh, and then there is a seed, which this year has quite a few. And so I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, because I'd be curious. Yeah, the documentary programming at Cannes has always been a bit weird. So when, when we come here as documentary programmers, we come here for the market. We come here because we can meet sales agents, uh, we can meet producers, uh, and we can also watch private screenings, uh, attend private screenings of documentaries that we might have missed or that are upcoming. Mm -hmm. Concerning the selection per se, um, Cannes has always been weird because as opposed to festivals like um, 
Berlin a bit and Berlin mostly in yes in parallel sections but they, they do have a lot of documentaries um, Locarno uh, has a lot of documentaries usually Cannes it's it's very rare right it's it's almost impossible to find a film like a documentary film in competition if it's not made by Michael Moore Michael um, Moore Jean-Luc Godard Agnes Varda was sort of the big ones those will be years. like they, they yeah. need they need big names although and even Faces Places was not it's, it was not in competition was, that's right that's no. right correct which, which no. yeah Godard in retrospect seems like not a great call <laughs> no but, but but even Godard you can you, you know that they, they don't know what to do with it I mean they, they don't really have a choice but to program it because he's a legend at the same time I mean last time he was here that they ended up creating a prize right you know right. to to be able to give him something because right. what he does is so removed from everything that you watch at Cannes that uh, it, yeah. it kind of makes no sense but what they've been doing those past years has been to try and promote documentaries a bit more mm -hmm. through the creation two years ago three years ago yeah. of a documentary prize um that I don't feel that well about I mean it's it's a uh, a because I mean I the documentaries that have been awarded, I'm not a huge fan of most of the documentaries that have been awarded so far mm -hmm. at Cannes. Uh, I think it was uh, Allende, Mi Allende, the first year. Um, and the second year was uh, Agnès Varda's Faces Places, uh, which unfortunately I don't like, but I mean, I don't want to talk badly about it this year. Uh, right. right. <laughs> and, uh, I'm afraid that's all the time we have. <laughs> yeah. no, what no. I want to say no. was it was, in comp it was competing with Dead Souls, the Wang Bing It was competing film, with Dead Souls. Which is a masterpiece. And, <laughs> but, but the thing is, they, they put it in, the, in those like special screenings, yeah. uh, which are like right. part and not part of the festival. Right. Uh, right. And my feeling is, is that there is no uh, programming logic behind I mean th no there is no programming thinking behind the, the documentary programming at Cannes um, the two kinds of films that will end up being programmed are either uh, blockbuster documentaries such as Maradona uh, or uh, big names like Eric mentioned so big names in the, even in France so like Alain Cavalier uh, had a film in special screenings Patricio Guzman's last film will be presented tomorrow I guess or or in two days right uh, so those are the only two ways you can yeah get selected at Cannes uh, for right. documentary um, and it's not really discussed but at the same time it's not it's a weird place to discuss documentaries right because there is mm -hmm. not a place that is as removed from the world as the Cannes Festival right. while it's happening yeah and so <laughs> I always feel like you know like for example I know yesterday they showed uh, For Sama um, a Syrian mm -hmm. documentary, um, which is, no matter what you think about it, um, extremely tough to watch. It's it's very violent. Uh, it has a, a lot of scenes of cadavers and, and things like that. And so mm. it's kind of weird to imagine all those people at Cannes going to like a documentary about Syria and then up to what, like the Arte cocktail on the... On the yacht. On the yacht or something. <laughs> right, you know what I mean? Right, it's, right, uh, yeah. Which was the... That's an interesting point, yeah. We're which, like, which was what people felt with the Inari2 VR project. Uh, Remember like a few years ago? People yeah. were like, the 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 the, uh, the context is wrong. Hmm. Like the, this whole thing when you're being driven in a special car into this special place in which you, you drink a special coffee before experiencing the life of a refugee for a few right. seconds. Uh, you know, it's... Yeah. Right. it's right. Um, 
Yeah, we, we ran that weird. piece. We ran that piece. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so for me, talking about documentaries, that can feel a bit like that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You're in yeah, this very bourgeois context. Um, but it's also interesting that, as you said, like the market is such where you're here actually doing work. Yeah. It's just not based on the films that are in, in any of these competitions or any of these sections. But they're, they're, we're all here. Everybody here is doing work in terms of documentary. Yeah. It's just an industry thing that has nothing to do with the programming. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like there will be for the people who know Claire Simon, uh, mm. the French filmmaker, uh, she has like a, a new cut of uh, an unexpected cut of a new film uh, that's showing like tomorrow morning, you know, for programmers. And uh, it's a three hour Claire Simon film. Um, but, you know, it's nowhere to be found in the program or, you know, it's not... Uh, it's not being promoted. Um, it's it's only for like uh, the industry people. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Wait, what's the title of it? You know, last year she was working on this TV series called The Village. Oh, okay. And she ended up apparently <laughs> making a feature-length film about it. Wow. Uh, so it's called The Village, uh, and uh, and I'm watching that tomorrow morning. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, you heard it here first. <laughs> the Film Colin Podcast, your source for Claire Simone news. <laughs> Uh, and much else, of course. Uh, but now we're gonna, we all have to run off to see another movie. Um, so uh, that's it for today. Um, but thank you both so much. Thank you, Bruno. Yeah, thank, thank you. Bruno. Wonderful Appreciate debut it. in competition. <laughs> and thank you, Eric. Always. Thank you, Nick. This episode of the Film Comment Podcast was sponsored by Mubi. With Mubi, each and every film is hand selected. It's like your own personal film festival, streaming anytime, anywhere. Dive into Mubi's can takeover by heading to mubi.com slash filmcomment. That's M-U-B-I dot com slash filmcomment to get three months for just $1 until May 25th. The Film Comment Podcast is sponsored by Kino Lorber, presenting Walking on Water. This documentary portrait of Cristo boasts uncensored access to the artist as he works to realize a large-scale, floating installation originally conceived with his late wife Jean-Claude, with whom he created the gates in Central Park. Variety calls it a documentary that delights in capturing the art of creation. Walking on Water opens May 17th at Film Forum, with Cristo and director Andre Paunov in person for Q&As before expanding to select cities. Avid.tv also has Patricio Guzman's Salvador Allende, the story of the Chilean president, from his youth to his death during the 1973 coup. To watch Guzman's films and save 50% off Avid's monthly subscription price for three months, go to www.avid.tv and use the coupon code CAN, that's C-A-N-N-E-S, at checkout. You've been listening to the Film Comet Podcast with music by Greg Einge. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Film Comment is a bi-monthly magazine published by the Film Society of Lincoln Center. Since 1962, Film Comment has featured in-depth features, critical analysis, and feature coverage of mainstream, art house, and avant-garde filmmaking from around the world. Visit us online at filmcomment.com to purchase a print or digital subscription to Film Comment. Or check out our app, available on Android, iOS, or Kindle.